Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's so great that you're here to join us. I always am so grateful for those of you who are willing to just come and listen to a smidgen of the work we're doing. And I hope that every guest we give you offers you a different opportunity to learn. I know I'm learning as I'm doing this work for sure. And these folks that we're going to be talking to today, I'll not only learn with them, but I also have had the chance to work with them and get to know them personally. And when they wrote a new book, which I completely relate to, loved looking over and want to share with you, it really rocked my world because this is exactly the kind of work I think we all need to be doing. So first of all, I want to introduce Kristen Snowden and Scott Brassert. Hi, guys. Hello. Always a pleasure. Hello. Nice to be here. Kristen's been on the show a couple of times before talking a lot about partners and relationships, which is really her arena. And she's going to talk about that. And I'll let these guys introduce themselves. I just want to mention, mention the name of this amazing book that they just wrote. It's called Life Anonymous. 12 Steps to Heal and Transform Your Life. Love that. So Kristen, would you introduce yourself and then I'll ask Scott to introduce himself and then we'll get going. Sure. My name is Kristen Snowden. I'm located in Westlake Village, California. Um, I have specialties in treating um, sex addiction, love addiction, recovery, and betrayed partners. But that also includes, I guess, single instances of infidelity as well. I also work in generalized addiction recovery, so substance abuse and acute mental health issues, anxiety, depression. You just do it all, Kristen. You do it all, and you write books, and uh, and we have a long history together, which I want to mention briefly at some point. How about you, Scott? Can you tell us just a little bit about you so everyone knows who we're talking to? Sure. I'm Scott Brassard. I live in Palm Springs, California. Um, I am the Director of Content Development for Seeking Integrity and SexAndRelationshipHealing.com which Rob is affiliated with, and Kristen also does some work with sexandrelationshiphealing.com. She does a webinar once a month. So I'm going to ask a silly question. How did you guys come together and say, oh, this is the project we want to work before we get into the details? And by the way, folks, you know, the 12-step programs in recovery are really the basis for a lot of the path that many of us take for healing. And I have a feeling these folks have taken it much beyond a single issue into the larger issue of life. So tell me what made you guys decide to work together. I mean, Scott, what do you think? How did you guys get working together? It's actually a pretty straightforward story. Um, when Kristen agreed to do um, a webinar for us, she also mentioned that she was doing some writing. She was working on a book, not this book, um, 
but I think a book that'll be written eventually. And I talked to her about maybe doing some blogs for our sex and relationship healing website, which she agreed to do. She did a couple blogs and then she got into a series on the 12 steps for non-addicts, which I found fascinating. And I had already written kind of an ebook, which was sitting, waiting for me to do something with it about the 12 steps for addicts. And I thought, oh, this should be combined into a book where we can explain, you know, here's how an addict works the 12 steps and here's how a non-addict can work the 12 steps and, and how each person can benefit in similar and different ways. It just, it was kind of serendipity and it sort of happened on its own, really. Yeah, I'm thinking this is kismet. Like here's two people who are working in different places on different issues and they have a conversation. It's like, oh, we're kind of writing about the same thing. Why don't we put our spirits together and make something happen? Hey, Kristen, do you have anything to add to that beautiful story I just heard? What made you say, yes, let's do this as partners. I'm in. Well, Scott was kind enough to kind of act as a mentor as I was trying to get my very scattered thoughts about, as you know, Rob, I showed onto the scene at your treatment center and you were kind enough to kind of take me under your wing and teach me the way that you've understood 12 steps. I was a little baby therapist. I'd had minimal exposure to addiction recovery from psychiatric hospital work and other things, but you said, perfect, let me show you how to really do addiction recovery. So while I was running the path of learning how to be the best addiction recovery therapist, I was starting to use these same applications that you were teaching me for clients to my, my life, which I don't identify as an addict, but I was in deep interpersonal crisis and struggle. And like the therapists I were going to were helpful, but not helpful enough. I was really mad at God. So religion wasn't helping me, but 12 steps and the community that I was surrounded by working at the addiction recovery center was really what was speaking to me and changing my soul more than I ever had experienced before. And so Scott and I were talking about this and sharing our stories. And I said, I, I feel like I want to share this for people who don't identify as addicts, but can be transformed by these concepts. But I also never want to minimize the fact that addicts need to work this program in a very specific, nuanced way. And that needs to never be minimized or altered. But non-addicts can take these concepts and really change their life for the better. And I want to figure out a way to convey this to people. Well, I think what you're talking about are universal principles of life. You know, you can say some people read the Bible, some read, people read other documents. You know, this is, they, everyone has a different path. And this is one of the many paths that might help people heal. And you got excited about it because it helped you heal and your family, which is a wonderful thing. Did you take each of the 12 steps that they use in the 12-step programs and kind of mirror it for life in general? Or how did you go about kind of thinking about this? So just, you know, from my master's programs, from my um, trainings, from my certifications, a lot of the things, you know, I would hear about like step 10, 11, and 12. And I say, gosh, that matches what you learn in secure attachment and secure attachment functioning and the neurobiology of connection and interpersonal neurobiology. When I took Brene Brown's course on shame resiliency, I said, God, that matches step five and six. And so I said, this can really just be a map, a navigation tool to how to wind in effective therapeutic interventions with these really easy, simple concepts that, as you said, universally can be kind of understood. And I, I think that's what addiction therapists do a lot anyway, particularly if they're in recovery and they're familiar with the 12 steps and have worked them themselves and they're treating an addict, 
you know, they push the addict to work the 12 steps, but they also do therapeutic work that sort of complements it and, and pushes them along. The big difference with us is, you know, I've had so many people over the years, who, especially people who knew me before I got sober and after I got sober, who say, wow, you're so different. You're, you're so much happier. And is there a 12, is there a 12 step program for me? <laughs> so Scott, I have a question for you. There's this term that they use in 12-step recovery, Scott, called happy, joyous, and free. And I think that the feeling, the transition that you're talking about, maybe from who you were before you, this whole process and where you are now, is you have a sense of all of those things. And I guess I want to know, before we get into the details, like, what do you think it is about this particular path, there are so many, that found resonance in you and has really moved you forward? Why this? The biggest thing was step four, until I got into recovery... I blamed everyone else for all my problems. And I thought that if all of you would just behave the way I wanted you to behave, life would be grand. But none of you were doing that. And I would get angry and resentful and I would act out over it. And I would drink and use and, 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 and look at porn over it. And it was all your fault. And, you know, steps one, two, and three are pretty straightforward. I have a problem. I need some help. I think I'll accept help. Uh, you know, that's kind of this, the short version. Step four is when we start looking at ourselves and realizing that, you know, I need to, to take an inventory of myself, look at my issues and figure out what's going on. And pardon my language, but working step four is when I realized that I was the asshole in my life. You know, it wasn't you, it was me. And that's helpful because all of a sudden you're not looking outward and saying, who is causing the problems in my life, you're saying, oh, I'm responsible for my life. And that's the transition for you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then I started making changes. And, and the rest of the program after that is learning how to dig up what my character defects are and do something about them and figure out how I've harmed other people and make amends. And then just how to live life on a daily basis without creating chaos. You know, I learned how to live with other people and be part of a world that was bigger than just me. Um, I was very alone uh, in my world, and I'm not anymore because the, the 12 steps taught me how to interact and enjoy interacting with other people. So, yeah, happy, joyous, and free is, is a real thing. I guess, Kristen, I want to pose the same thing to you. It's like I've heard people say, oh, this 12-step thing is a cult. People are like, you know, uh, becoming devoted their lives and they're giving money and all of a sudden their whole life becomes about this. And some people might say, oh, Kristen, you joined a cult. <laughs> How did you feel a sense of trust and faith for yourself that this wasn't like one of those weird things you were getting involved with, but actually is going to be helpful? Well, I think one of my favorite quotes or sayings that I've heard about the 12 steps and addiction recovery and those who don't want to join in on this kind of movement, so to speak, is Russell Brand says that we kind of basically, whether or not we join a 12-step program or we join a diet program or we join um, a Christian establishment program, we all join a program in some way, unconsciously or consciously. And program, what do you, how do you define that word when you say we all join a program? we're highly adaptive beings. And so we learn how to kind of puzzle piece and adapt our behaviors and emotions and the way we react and show up in this world. And that's the program we follow. And we kind of find our people in the healing process. Like Scott was kind of saying, you're always looking at everyone else and saying, where's the problem? Who's my friend? Who's not my friend? And I think what you're saying is you kind of find your place 
in terms of you're going to be in a good place, they're going to be a good place. You're not looking for drama. You've moved your way out of drama and into real connection. Yeah, but I was saying even previously, there was programs to unhappy ways of life um, before you do a 12-step program, right? So I might have grown up in a family where I, I was always given permission to have rage. And so my program for managing my emotions was one-faceted and I would rage. Or I had one program for getting love and validation, and that was to perform and be a perfectionist. And so that we all join some form of program, some formulation that we've determined is going to get the end results that we want. And I know I'm one of those classic cases that when I didn't start getting what I wanted, my life crumbled. And I realized I had such poor coping skills to manage when life wasn't, was coming at me and I couldn't control it. Which is what Scott just said in a way that you needed principles and something to rely on that wasn't just a sense of spirituality or connection to a higher power or God or whatever that means to you, but you needed a path. You wanted a roadmap. And so I have to ask you guys, because there will be people out there who don't have a clue at all, and I respect and, and appreciate them because that you, we are their guides. Can you give a more general description? What is this 12 steps without going into detail? Like Scott said one through four, and you said I don't know what that thing, like, can you explain what the heck all that means? Just in general, before we get to the detail. Step one is we admit we have a problem. Step two, we need help to deal with the problem. Step three, we're going to accept help. Um, Then we start working on ourselves. Four through nine are kind of working on ourselves and cleaning up the mess. So this all started with AA. AA originated the 12 steps. AA started Alcoholics Anonymous in the mid-30s guy named Bill Wilson and a guy named Dr. Bob. Um, They were both alcoholics. They met each other and they started trying to help each other stay sober. Well, the way that alcoholics were handled in the past was medically, right? They need to be medicated or there's something or they're mentally ill in some profound way. So there wasn't a path for them that fit them to their healing. They locked them up and dried them out and then sent them on their merry way to go get drunk again, basically. So, um, Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, they, they, there, was, there was a previous group um, that was kind of very Christian-based, and they borrowed some tenets from that. And over the course of the first three or four years of the program, other people came around, and um, they eventually realized that they were taking certain steps, and they, they codified it into the 12 steps, put a book out um, called Alcoholics Anonymous. The 12 steps are outlined, and and they work. What they found was people who work through these 12 steps can stay sober. But part of working through the 12 steps, and I think Kristen will verify this, is you work through them with other people. This is not something we do alone. We need help, um, and we need guides and mentors. So let me ask a question of Kristen before we talk about the community aspect, because I agree with you. I think one of the one of the things that 12 Steps have done in my life is they've brought me into community and in a community of people who have shared values, shared desires, shared needs and role models and all of that. So I think that's a big piece of it. And I'd love to talk about that. But Chris, I have a question for you, which is Scott, in introducing the idea of the 12 Steps and comes out of the you know, 1930s and these men coming together and finding a path for healing. They were looking for a specific. They wanted to stop drinking. And other people I've worked with, they want to stop gambling or they want to stop, you know, their crazy porn behavior, whatever it is. But you come to this from what I'm hearing, Kristen, and what you've sort of brought Scott into is this isn't about a particular issue. I don't think it isn't about my marriage. It isn't about my 
uh, children. It isn't about my work. So, or, or, you know, there isn't a specific problem that I've heard you describe, like I'm an alcoholic or I, so how could this be useful for people who don't have a specific issue that they want to deal with? Because I think that underlies what you're writing about. Right. And that, and that's why we called it life anonymous. Cause it's just about general skills that will help you get through the ebbs and flows of life and meeting life on life's terms. I realized that I just did not have the skills to manage the grief and loss of my mom passing, the struggles of switching over roles from becoming a a professional to a mom, and other marital issues that came up. And I had no place to kind of grapple with this. But therapy, I mean, everybody goes to therapy and couples therapy, therapy, therapy. And, you know, I'm a therapist, so I get to say this. And so that's the place that we, you know, folks go to get our healing. Yeah. Why not that? That's the path most people would choose. So you're actually giving them something they don't, they don't have to pay for. They can do on their own with a group of people who, you know, they don't have to go somewhere to pay for it. But, but without this specific issue, how do you work on yourself using this frame? And that's the part of the point of the book. So what are you teaching them? Well, one thing is, is the candid honesty piece is that was something that was something I'd never found anywhere else in my life until I walked on to an addiction recovery center and heard people talking about the hot mess that was their life and the kind of real honest slaps in the face they've had to endure to get to a better state of being. And also it doesn't even necessarily need to be a calamity and a crisis that has been brought on by you because of your addictions and your poor choices. These are things that can happen at you, to you. This is life. People die, people leave you, people disappoint you. And I just did not have the skills, um, which I later, you know, will call our shame, shame awareness, shame resiliency skills, being able to kind of take accountability for what's my part in it and how to heal that. And those are all concepts and tenets of the 12 steps that help you realize those things. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this sex, love and addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, seeking integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com, that's seekingintegrity.com, or call us at 747-234-4325. So I think what you're saying, because I've been down this road too, is that Therapy is kind of about learning what happened to me, how did I get here, what are my struggles, why do I struggle with them, but it doesn't necessarily order or offer a concrete, clear path toward what you do. It's more about exploring and learning and, and bathing in yourself, And but you wanted something that was more concrete, that you could say, okay, I know all that stuff, and I know where it left me, and I have some skills, and I have others, but I need a path toward improving me, and here's a way I can do this while grabbing onto the information I already have and adding to it in a concrete way. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, and that I feel like I wasn't getting the jolt of honesty and, and, and the I don't know, the courage of the people in the addiction recovery community to that saying, you spot it, you got it, where they just kind of call you on the carpet that kind of gives you this gut punch that makes you go, <gasps> like, I can't believe you just said that to me. But then you sit with it 
And it really starts changing your heart and your soul. That is the only place that I've ever experienced things like that, where people are just calling each other out. I remember actually the first time we're sitting in a group just to say this, and I said something to someone like, what the F are you thinking about? Like, you're really doing this to your freaking family? Or, and you looked at me like, this is therapy. You can't do that. And so actually, for some people, that is, that direct route is what they need. They don't need to fuzzy around with words. They'll manipulate the heck out of you. So they need that directness. And for whatever reason, you needed it too. So Kristen, I guess my question to you is, when people usually go to a 12-step program, in my experience, 99, or treatment for an addiction, 99% of them are going in because the way they're living in their addiction is so painful, it's destroying their life. And they know that that concrete issue, the drinking, the alcohol, the uh, gambling, whatever, is destroying everything that's important to them. And they realize that I have to stop that. But what was your bottom, if you will, your place of I can't do this anymore. I've got to work on this. You know, it, it, it takes, like, not everybody wants to spend years working on themselves with this. So there must have been something that said to you, oh, I want to grab onto this and I don't want to live this way anymore. What was the this way that you wanted to move out of since it wasn't like a substance or, or compulsive behavior? And this, by the way, applies to everyone who's listening who might be interested in the book. What would lead them to think, oh, I'm in a place where I want to adapt this path? Right. Well, specifically in my life, I felt like I was, I latched on to a specific formula that was going to bring me joy, right? I was, I was a transactional Christian that was like, I did good to get good. I ran a quid pro quo marriage of, I acted this way to hope getting this in the return. I would kind of put up these superficial fronts to say that I'm good and I'm great and I, I need, and it's just life stops working for me. I suddenly, you know, I suddenly decided, okay, world, I'm going to become a mom. And I had to deal with two years of infertility and loss and things that I couldn't control despite my best formula. Um, my mom got sick with cancer and died in four months, no matter how much I prayed. And that led into a quick destruction of my marriage. And I suddenly found myself alone and I didn't sign up for that. Right. Like I didn't sign up to be a single mom. And those things were just all coming at me. And that was my rock bottom is that this, this loss of all of my best thinking, all my best coping skills, my formulas for what I thought was going to get me to success has all betrayed me, so to speak. And here I am still miserable, no matter how much mitigating I've tried to do in my life, no matter the big halo I thought I had on my head of doing everything right, I still ended up lost and alone. This is exactly the story that we hear with addicts is, you know, my best coping skill is to get drunk when I'm having an emotion that I don't want to feel. Um, and eventually that works for a while. I mean, my addictions worked for me for a while. They kept me safe and I'm using air quotes around the word safe and, and protected me. And then they stopped working and my life fell apart and I didn't have the coping mechanisms. I didn't have the coping skills. Rob, you're the one who told me, uh, you know, 20 years ago, probably addiction is a maladaptive coping skill. And it works until it doesn't work. And just what Kristen described, she had some coping skills that worked until they didn't work. And then what do we do? And it's funny, I want to say this real quick, is that they may work in some areas. Like, you know, I think, Kristen, when I met you, life was working for you. 
you know, you were doing pretty well in terms of your career and your business. And the, so sometimes our drivenness, our I'm going to get this done no matter what, I'm going to pile through this can be useful in terms of developing a career or, you know, evolving a business or a, a rec- even, you know, an activity that we really love, but it doesn't work with people like intimacy. You can't pile drive through a relationship. You can't will yourself through making someone else be what you want them to be. And that kind of behavior is what ends up in the kind of crash you're talking about, Kristen. Yeah. Or stage four cancer or a pandemic, right? Other life events. You can't pile through those things. They happen. Well, I think there's this thing they say in the 12-step programs. It's very articulated and really someone really, really brilliant must have written about it. They say, shit happens. And so I think that's what we're talking about is stuff happens in life and some of us are better prepared than others to manage it and others, you know, and we do the best we can, but then we might need a guy that others seem to already have inside of themselves. Tell me what this book is about that you think would be helpful for anybody who's struggling with not being able to cope with this or not knowing how to cope with what's going on around them. Rob, this book really is about shit happens. And how do we deal with it when it happens? There might be three or four magic people on this planet that, that know how to deal with everything that comes their way. I've never met them. I don't, I'm not sure I want to meet them. I think they'd be just really boring and, and sanctimonious. But you know, the rest of us need some guidance. And whether that comes in the form of therapy or just good friends we can talk to, or a lot of people need a 12-step program or a pastor, you know, people find solace and guidance in all kinds of places. The 12-step program, uh, you know, Chris and I both think the 12-step program is, is painfully underutilized. It works so well for addicts who don't have coping skills. And then Kristen just mentioned she didn't have the coping skills to handle shit when it happened. The 12 steps teach coping skills. Part of what they teach us is how to reach out to other people and to be vulnerable and honest and trust and and to be able to give and receive help in a healthy way. And you know, a, a lot of us just don't learn that early in life because we have dysfunctional homes and, and we pick up dysfunctional lessons like, if I'm perfect, you will love me, you know, things like that. And that's just not how life works. It's also a workbook. So we try to take the 12-step concepts, and after talking about it from a non-addict's perspective and an addict's perspective, we weave in what I feel like are our most effective exercises that either like Scott's provided to sponsees or that I use at my addiction recovery treatment programs. And these are just things that we find really work to bring up these issues, help bring them to your conscious level and work through them. So I'm going to ask both of you, pick one of these 12 steps. People may know nothing about them. People may, who are listening, or we have, what, almost a million people who download this podcast. So some people are very engaged with the 12 steps and recovery and therapy, and some are going, what the heck is this all about? So maybe we could concretely say, pick one of those steps. I, I don't know which one or what it would mean. And talk about how, first of all, what is the step and why is it there? And then how does it get articulated into something that could help everybody? Sure, Rob. Um I mentioned step four. Uh, it was the big step for me when I was working the 12 steps. Step four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And I needed to do that to understand that I was my problem, not you. And there are specific ways, um, there are specific forms that addicts use to work this step. You know, non-addicts, it's a little bit different because a lot of times, as Kristen has mentioned, 
It's about things that have happened to us instead of things that we have done to others. So in the book, Chris and I took turns. I, I wrote for addicts. She wrote for non-addicts. So I explained how addicts work it. Then Kristen explains how non-addicts work it. And there are some different things that addicts want to get from it that non-addicts don't. Addicts are really focused on themselves. Non-addicts are generally focused on what's happening in the world and how they deal with it, which is a little bit different. But at the, at the end, then we provide a couple of exercises. Um, the first one is it's basically a worksheet for step four. You know, you list the ways in which you've avoided taking responsibility, the ways you've misused your anger, the ways you've been paralyzed by fear, things you're ashamed of, work through it that way. Um, then we also do some, some trauma. There's a trauma exercise that looks at threatening behavior and psychological abuse and, and other forms of abuse, both given and received. Um, and then there's a third exercise that looks at guilt and shame and core beliefs, because there's a lot of shame that drives our maladaptive coping mechanisms, and we have a lot of core beliefs about ourselves. So it kind of works through a lot. It's a, it's a very deep look at ourselves and what our shortcomings are, because as we move forward, we're going to work on those shortcomings that, that keep us apart from rather than a part of, basically. That's really helpful. And, and I'm also thinking, Kristen, to this point that this whole idea of I, my problem is you and you and this and this outside of me, there's no room in this section for saying, I mean, there may be room in other places in life, but this is really about my part, my responsibility. There's no room to be able to point outward. This is part of that inward looking, what is my part in all of this? And how can I fix my part, regardless of what other people do outside of me? Is that how you look at this piece? Yes. And I always want to caveat because I do work with betrayed partners who have been victimized by lies is that it's also, it's not saying that you, this is your problem, that your partner's acting out behavior is in any way your responsibility. But it's like, now that this has been put in front of you, you can't use your usual program for change, right? You're going to have to change everything around you. You're going to have to seek out experts. You're going to have to seek out a different community. You're going to have to share your story of shame and not live further in isolation because that will just destroy you more. So even though you've been hurt by being victimized, the way you have managed life up to this point is not going to work for you anymore. And it's an invitation to start using a new program for change. Well, I'm in for that. It sounds like a lot of work, though. So is this one of those things? I've read a lot of self-help books, and I know I've gained a lot from them. And I kind of read it, and I intuit, or maybe there's some exercise I learn a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I got that. And then I go on to the next self-help book. So, Scott, why wouldn't you just say, I did this and read this, and great, and now I'll just read the next book? What, what, is there something different here? Yes, there's definitely something different here. Um, Twelve-step work is an ongoing process um, that involves other people. You don't just read the book and get well. You have to do the work and you have to do it consistently pretty much forever. And by the way, there is a new 12-step group called Prodependence Anonymous, and that's a good, good program to work the 12 steps in if you're not an addict. Well, Chris, I'm thinking as he's saying that, that this is more like the Old Testament or some, some religious piece of, I mean, and I don't mean religion is involved with this, but this is like something that you read and you read again and you read again and you get new meaning out of it every time you work on it. And so you never really drop it out of your life. Is that what you're saying, Kristen? We do. We hope the content is evergreen and that you can always read it and get something new from it as you kind of build up your ability to hear things differently and process them differently. 
as different things come up in your life, if you've been through the book once or twice, you'll know, you know what, I need to go back and reread step three today. You'll know where to go in the book to get what you need that particular day for that particular issue. So guys, I wish we had more time to talk because I think we could spend three days. And in fact, I'd like to come back to you both in six months or so and say, what kind of feedback are you getting to this? How are people responding to life anonymous? And, and what areas do they think that it's applying to in their lives? I just have been waiting this forever for somebody to write this. And I, I am incredibly grateful to both of you. I wrote this book passionately from working in treatment for so many years, and I really tried to write a book that I could hand off to so many people and they would get something from it, that it would resonate across the board. Um, I wanted to be able to hand it to an addict and have them completely understand what um, the 12 steps and the community and everything involved with addiction recovery looks like. I wanted to be able to hand it to someone who is struggling with mental health issues like depression, anxiety, and have them get something from it. And then I wanted to be able to hand it to those who love addicts and have them better understand what addiction recovery and a true path of achieving recovery really can look like across the board. And that's what I feel like this book accomplished. So I think I'm pretty proud of what it offers. I don't blame you. I'd be proud of this particular piece of writing too. Let me ask you this, guys. If people were to get in touch with you and had questions about the book, or is there a website for the book, or is there ways they can reach you? Or I don't know, Scott, if you want people to reach out to you or just reach out through Kristen, whatever works for you guys. Why don't we start with Kristen? How would people reach you, learn about your work, and maybe ask questions about the book if they wanted to pursue this further? Well, currently we're talking about it monthly on webinars at sexandrelationshiphealing.com. And I have live webinars that do Q&As for that. And also we have it on my website, which is kristensnowden.com, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, snowden.com. And my email is kristensnowdenmft, as in marriage and family therapist, at gmail.com. And do you see yourself, Kristen, maybe developing a workshop around this or maybe some online courses, something that people, or Scott, you know, you've done some of this. You do a course in sex addiction recovery for us at sexandrelationshiphealing.com. So can you guys see putting this together in some kind of way that people can learn from you live? Because I'm going to come back to you and ask about that. Yes, we are absolutely in the works trying to create some kind of um, complimentary book study, workshops, et cetera, that can really help people dive deep into the work that we've offered them. But I'd love to see you guys start some online groups where people can drop in and say, this is how I'm doing this in my life. And I sure hope, I'm just so thrilled that you're bringing this concept to everyone who wants to read it. Anything final from you, Scott, um, about any of this? No, I think, I think Kristen's summary that she just gave a second ago is brilliant. She's really our point person for, for the book. If people want to contact me, Scott at SeekingIntegrity.com. But really, Kristen is the front person here. So, Well, let me just say this to both of you. I have known you both for probably 20 years or so, 15 years. I also have watched you both grow from a place where you never could have written this to a place where you're really leaders and role models for people who want to heal. And to that, I just want to say you emblemize the direction that you're asking people to take in this work. And there's nothing better than people writing about something that they've actually had to gone through themselves or go through. So thank you so much for bringing your wisdom. And thanks, folks, for listening. Um, these are great people. It's a great book. And I look forward to the next time we talk. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. 
There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.